0: Welcome to Sports Bites, a podcast that serves up a winning combination of sports and food. Get ready to dive into the latest scores and game analysis, all while savoring discussions about your favorite game day snacks and culinary delights. I'm your host, Chris Joseph, and together we will explore the delicious intersection of athleticism and gastronomy. So let's kick off this flavorful journey of episode 18. Today's episode is a special one. I have another guest interview, a guy I've been following on social media, really dig his content, Rico knows You can see him on TikTok, YouTube. But here's the interview I got today I hope you like it. All right. Welcome back to the Sports Bites podcast. We've got a special guest with us today. I'm sure you've seen his content all over TikTok, all over YouTube. The one, the only Rico knows. Man, I appreciate you taking time in your day to come on.
1: Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Well, for those who don't know, you always kind of come up. that you're the transfer portal expert. So okay. this is a new day and age in college football and college sports all over the place, but mainly college football and looking at it from last year to this year, who do you think won the transfer portal coming into this year?
1: So coming into this year, I did like an off-season transfer portal uh, ranking system. I I do not trust the recruiting websites, right? This is why I exist is because I used to go to those recruiting websites for my information in reference to transfers. And just like anybody else, they go there for the recruiting rankings and things like that. Well, I went there for the transfers, and when I looked at it, I thought, man, why did they rank that transfer the way they did? Like He doesn't look to be that good. Yeah, he was a five-star recruit out of high school, but he's equated to nearly nothing in the production realm, right? Or he just didn't live up to those early billings. So as I kept assessing it, I started taking notes, and I started my own database, and I went, oh, I think they got these rankings wrong. And, And just like anybody else in the world, I just started making videos talking about it. And I was just like, hey, I think this is wrong. I think this is right. And every day I would do transfer portal updates and just talk about what was happening in the transfer portal. And I learned to be faster than all the recruiting websites, more accurate. I didn't have errors. Like I can remember there was a player, they said he was going to New Mexico State and he was really going to the Lobos in New Mexico, right? Just subtle little errors on those right. websites. So I started recognizing uh, quality assurance, quality control. QAQC issues on the websites. And instead of trying to fix them, I saw an avenue where I could excel and, and, and impart knowledge on the entire world on who these guys were, right? Who these transfers were and who how they were going to have an impact on their team. So I started these rankings and my rankings were determined by who gained the most players. And I also did like a net gain. So I took apart whoever you lost in the transfer portal. Because when I turn on those recruiting websites, it always showed who they signed But it didn't talk about the starters they lost in the transfer portal. So after doing the net gain and the net plus, I found my number one team in the transfer portal was Colorado, just by sheer numbers, right? The amount of transfers they signed and what they lost, it didn't matter. They found an immense amount of production. And my number two team, though, was Charlotte with Biff Pogey. They had an insane amount of numbers. And as I'm sitting here, I can pull up my database at any given time and I'm going to tell you that Texas State was number three, and they they went out and beat Baylor in Week One
0: yeah.
1: because of the Denver portal. And I knew this going into the off season. I was like, you know, coming into August before the season starts, I'm screaming up and down. These are going to be the most improved teams you've seen, and nobody's listening to me. And I'm going. This is who's going to be great. This is who, and, I, and then I at the the inverse was I told you who was going to be bad, who lost players to the portal, and nobody wanted to hear me because. I'm looking at my list here. Charlotte, Colorado, right? Colorado, Charlotte. SMU was in my top five. Okay. Arizona State had an immense amount of turnover. So did Auburn. But there were teams like USC, the Trojans, being a, a, a team with 11 wins and somehow still using the portal to sign 12 transfers. Where you look at a team like Bama or Georgia, they're winning programs and all they used the portal for was to dump recruiting misses. You had 20-something guys leave Bama, but the majority of them were just recruiting misses. It wasn't like they went out and found 13 starters, right? That's that's what I started noticing though. The, so yeah, the teams that won the portal really big this offseason, I felt were Colorado, Charlotte, SMU, Texas State, um, and Arizona State, USC, Florida State, James Madison. I can go on for days. I can go down my whole damn list. You'll be like, "What?" Yeah, but Keon, yeah, there's Keon
0: Coleman's there. a big ad for Florida State this year. He's there he's been up. balling. Exactly.
1: And and you and then you ask Clemson, don't you wish you had a receiver that could create separation, get open, and win you games?
0: Auburn, which is they had Finley back at quarterback and him not at, at Texas State. Hey, you, know?
1: <laughs> you know, I'm I wasn't even surprised to see Auburn go with Thorne. That's fine. If that's what you thought, he, he, you thought it was an upgrade. I didn't think he ever was. I made a video talking about it. I said, this guy's not an upgrade. And, but more importantly, when you see Finley get to Texas State, they thought they had a quarterback in Malik Hornsby. So Malik Hornsby transfers from Arkansas, speedster, speed demon. But they knew deep down inside, this guy's not the quarterback. They went through all spring ball with him, and they said, no, he's not it. So after spring ball, they signed Finley, and it's not even it's night and day, man. Finley's out there looking great.
0: You, had, uh, you brought up Alabama, and I saw a post that you had made earlier talking about lack of receiver depth and stuff. It's something I've talked about quite a bit you know, since I've started this podcast. And, and my question is, how does Alabama go from having a quarterback room with Jalen, Tua, Mac, all starters in the NFL, a wide receiver room with five first-round draft picks, a Heisman Trophy winner, to where you're like, who's going to catch the football for you?
1: Yeah. So the way that happens is you lose your offensive coordinators, okay? Everybody needs to understand that. There are two amazing offenses, right, between Kiffin and Sark and people who just understand the game of football and know how to evaluate wide receivers and quarterbacks. And when you get those types of players, you can attract more, right? There's a reason some of the top wide receivers in the country coming out last year did not sign with Georgia, even though they won two national titles. The top wide receivers, you go look at the list and the rankings and all that, three of them went to Ohio State, two went to USC, two went to Texas. Like they were just picking these schools who are putting wide receivers in the NFL. Bama's window of putting wide receivers in the NFL has somewhat just closed completely. It's just gone. And you start looking at that receiver core and you're like, man, I love Isaiah Bond. I think it's an amazing player. He's the state champion, the 100 meters, playing out of Buford. He was doing his thing. They got another kid poked out of uh, Buford as well. But when they got there, you're like, man, they're at, they're not doing a damn thing. These wide receivers are not getting it done. When you got a guy like um, Burton, Jermaine Burton, transferring in from, from Georgia and he can start over your entire room and he's not special and he starts over everybody, right. this is when everybody pretends like your entire depth chart are professionals. You think all everybody on your bench is a five-star and everybody's going to the NFL, and you don't realize that none of them are professionals. Like, none of them. I'm not moved by any of them. I watch film on every single one of them. Law, Prentice. Uh, I even went back and I'm going to study this Juco kid, Malik Benson. Is he great? No, he's not. He, I'm sure he looked great against a five seven corner in Indiana or Kansas, wherever he played. Like, it just doesn't look good. when I, When I assess talent, and this is why people always say Rico knows, it's like, I sit down and just look at these players and I can calibrate how many strides it takes for them to get into certain breaks and certain routes. And I can just see if, whether or not they have the burst I'm looking for, the acceleration out of their cuts. And I'm very underwhelmed by the Alabama receiver core. At the same time, when you don't develop quarterbacks, you had four years to find another quarterback, right? Or three years. You had Bryce Young sitting there and you knew he was your starter. Start developing somebody else. Give me anybody else. And why like, Eli Holstein, I like him. He's on the bench right now. He's red I like that kid. I don't think he's ever going to start. Dylan Lonegrain, or whatever his name, Dylan Lonegrain, let me tell you guys. I watched this guy play in high school at Brookwood here in Georgia for three years. The most boring guy I've ever seen. Like, there's no <laughs> fire in that man at all. I thought he was just a baseball player. I said, oh my goodness, why is Bama signing him? That guy's never going to play in the SEC. And I still sit here and tell you, if he's ever starting a game in the SEC, you failed at recruiting, because that is not a good player.
0: I, sure I was going to say, I couldn't figure out what Tommy Reese did to get Tyler Buckner to get on campus and convince Nick Saban that that was a, a viable option. I watched the game against Marshall. There's no way you lose a game with the talent he had at Notre Dame and think you can come to Alabama and just be that good. Tell me this.
1: I, I got a question. You got a big family? You come from a big family? Yes, sir. I come from an enormous family, all right? And And Chris, I got to tell you, every now and then I got a cousin trying to get a friend or another cousin, a job, right? Yeah. They vouch <laughs> yeah. for him. The only reason Tommy, the only way it could have worked is he got there, went to Bama, looked at the quarterback room, went back to Nick and said, Hey, coach Saban, uh, I, I know a guy better than all these guys. And he started vouching for somebody and it might as well have been vouching for his cousin because there's just no way Buckner's better than anybody. He's it, it's, I'm not impressed with what's in that quarterback room. I feel like Jalen Milrose, their best shot to start, right? Their best chance to win a game. But the reality is their best chance to win a game is to control the run game, have an amazing defense, play that field position game, and then just beat teams because you're you're really talented on the other side of the ball. But their they're quarterback, their wide receivers, I'm not dependent on them to blow games open. I'm just not.
0: I live here in Birmingham, and I've joked with some Alabama fans. I'm like, look, you guys have a good defense. Dallas Turner, Kool-Aid, everybody there. Said so With, with Jalen Miller, you got um, uh, Justice Haynes, who's going to be a really good you know, running back. I was like, run the sure. wing T, Control the game. Play defense. Just run the option. You know, With Road, you you could do that. But you know, talking about that leads me to my next question. Looking at the talent level at the quarterback position in the SEC, Joe Burrow, Anthony Richardson, <laughs> who's the best quarterback in the SEC right now? If you had well, a pick right now, who's the best quarterback? Pick. Let's be clear. Anthony Richardson was never
1: the best quarterback. No, 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 no. I just want to be very clear. Um, when I look at the sec as a conference as a whole, I look at a conference where quarterbacks transfer there when they can't start at their previous school, whether that be Spencer Rattler, Hennon hooker, Jackson dart, um, Joe Milton. I can, Jake Garcia just left Miami to go to Missouri. uh, Daniels Jaden Daniels like everybody who's there right now transferring in is some outcast from their previous school and now they get to start magically in the SEC so it's it's a secondary conference when it comes to quarterback play it really is and if I'm looking at the best quarterback that gives you a chance to win every single Saturday so far this season Brady Cook is playing out of his mind man. Brady Cook is throwing somebody needs to go look at his numbers. This is a dual threat guy. This guy almost rushed for 100 yards against Georgia last year. I'm pretty sure he went over 100 against Georgia. Okay, that amazing defensive front. Brady Cook has Luther Burden the third at wide receiver. They're undefeated for a reason, and it's because they can stretch defenses and score. Don't sleep on Missouri. I love what they're doing. The other quarterback that nobody wants to give credit to is Spencer Rattler. He has no offensive line, and he has he has one receiver that he can throw to. And Xavier Leggett, and he lost Juju Wells or whatever. Um, he lost Wells. And for me, I, I look at it and I go, man, with no offensive line, he's still getting it done. That's impressive to me. When you look at who's actually going to do things and win games, Carson Beck's not losing games. George is not losing. So Carson Beck's numbers are going to look great. But if I'm telling you, you ask me right off the, the rip, the first guy that comes to mind who's playing out of his mind, go look at the numbers. It's Brady Cook playing out of his mind, Spencer Rattler doing more with less, no running game, no offensive line. I think that he got sacked nine times against North Carolina first week. Nine times? That's absurd, right? But then you got to ask yourself, he got sacked nine times, and he still threw for 350 yards. Like, what? It's it's bananas. Um, I, I'm impressed with, before the season, I would have said K.J. Jefferson and Daniels and all these other studs. But as I watch the games, you want to talk about one of the more disappointing teams in America, Arkansas, man. They they disappoint the hell out of me. They could have beat LSU this week and could have, you know, revitalized lost to all BYU. the. He lost to BYU who did not look impressive against Sam Houston in the first week. I just don't get it. And and Arkansas, I don't want to point any fingers. I just feel like they have a really talented team. They got this linebacker, Jahine Thomas. He's a transfer from Cincinnati. He's a four star kid who stayed at home to play for Luke Fickle. Once Luke Fickle leaves, he decides he's gonna go go to Arkansas, go to the SEC. He's playing amazing, and they're still not winning games. It's, it's tough.
0: Talking about the SEC, obviously, I'm, I'm an Oklahoma guy. I'm a Sooner. Okay. So what are your thoughts about Texas and Oklahoma making that move to the SEC?
1: I think it's great right, for them, program-wise. I think people are going to be shocked at how good and prepared Texas and Oklahoma are to compete in the SEC. Like Jackson Arnold is the future of quarterback in the SEC. They, that's that's hands down. He's the best five star quarterback coming out of high school. He's a grown man amongst boys. Go back, watch his tape. Denton Guyer high school out of Texas. Go watch him his junior year, dueling it out against uh Nick and, and trying to win a state title with Peyton Boeing at, at safety. And you, the, when you watch these guys and you pay attention to them from high school through all of college, I feel like Oklahoma is prepared to be competitive in the sec and there's no denying texas is there right now there's no denying texas is ready right now the way texas beat alabama you're going to see alabama not struggle with any other sec teams like that okay you're just not going to see it and that should tell you even last year it was a miracle for alabama to beat texas okay it took a miracle and they beat them and we're talking that was eight and five
0: Some missed calls. I'm a former official. There were some bad calls. And then it also showed the greatness of Bryce Young when he was able to just make a simple little step up in the pocket because that was a perfectly timed blitz right there. He steps up, makes that play. But one, I'm excited because me living in Birmingham with Oklahoma coming out here, they're playing at Auburn next year. They're playing at Oxford. I'm going to get a chance to, you know, I don't have to spend 12 hours in a car driving to Norman to watch a game. You know, I'm going to get to go see a bunch of games around here. So I'm I'm happy about that. You know, get, get to see, you know, get my kids out, you know, to some Oklahoma games. But, you know, looking ahead, just who's really surprised you this year in college football? Like as a team overall, not disappointingly, but like surprised because you already said Arkansas is disappointing. But who surprised you like with how well they're playing?
1: My goodness. So when you say surprised me, unfortunately, I think of how terrible teams are playing. That's what surprised <laughs> me. Like the first thing that came to mind, you said who surprised me? Like two teams came to mind immediately. One, South Alabama because I actually thought they were going to be great this year, and they're not, and that's unfortunate. And the other one's Texas Tech. I also had them competing for the Big 12, and I saw them being really, really good with what they had, and now they're the, the wheels fell off, right, losing their quarterback to a broken ankle and just not doing anything right. They look terrible. But on the flip side, who's surprising that's playing really well? I don't know if anybody watches Group of Five football, but I'm going to tell you, Fresno State, Fresno State, they lost, they lost, their quarterback, their running back, three wide receivers. So two wide receivers go to the pros. Joshua Kelly transfers to Washington State, and he's tearing it up there right now. And so they lose three wide receivers. They get one from Boston College. He's a former Ohio State guy. But they have to come up with just a new team, and they're undefeated. And they shut out Arizona State 27-0. Like, you shut out Arizona State. They beat Baylor, in, I mean, Purdue in the first game. Yep. The way they're doing things and they just beat the snot out of Kent State by, like, 50. 56 to nothing or three, something yeah. like that, yeah. But some, something crazy. And and UCF beat them similar, right? UCF beat Kent State similar. But to say that Fresno State is doing things similar to UCF, beating Purdue, shutting out Arizona State, I just did not see that coming. Shout out to Mikey King. I, I talked about him. I put him in my top ten uh, transfer portal guys. I felt like the websites weren't doing it right. They kept trying to convince me about other quarterbacks and other things, and I just said, I've seen Mikey King play. That kid's a baller. There's no reason. We, we should doubt him, and what I think is crazy is he's going to play out of his mind this year. What if he transfers again? What if he becomes a, tra- a graduate transfer, and now Mikey gets his shot at a big program? He was at UCF. He should have been the starter. They went with John Rice Plumley. He's now hurt, and now they're, run- they're starting. Timmy McLean, who's a transfer from South Florida, but For me, it's like, I, I, you know, I know every transfer in America. I know every player in America. I know every player on every depth chart. I'm not, I'm not even joking when I tell you Fresno State, to me, so surprising to see them play this well. I thought they were going to have an off year. I thought they were going to be bad this year.
0: I love you with Ted for coming back to coach for a second tenure there. But I actually, my last episode, I always kind of give like a pick six for the week. And I I put them down as like my, hey, this could be the Tulane of last year. Watch these guys. You know, they, sure. like you said, they beat Arizona. A team that pushed, you know, Lincoln, Riley, and USC. I mean, it's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. And and they went out there and shut them out. And like you said, Keene's throwing the ball all over the place and, and looking really good. And like I said, that could be this year's Tulane. Because even Tulane, I felt if Mike, and I, and I don't like to play the game well, if he was healthy, they could have won. He still lost the game. But if Pratt's healthy, I think Tulane beats Ole Miss in that game second week of the year. Oh, good. There's a
1: reason Tulane's still in my top 25, and it's because with a backup quarterback, you looked better than half of the SEC. You looked like you could have beat Ole Miss, and I believe this. I believe Tulane's great. Now, I don't think any teams—remember, Fresno State won 10 games last year. What made Tulane's story so amazing is that they only won four games the year before, right? They were competitive in their losses, but they weren't winning a lot of games the year before. And when I look at—I think they had a two-point loss to Oklahoma. If I, if I remember correctly. In, but when in I, Norman. In Norman. When I look at Tulane or any team, like Fresno State won 10 games last year. They're not the Tulane this year. When you say Tulane, I think you mean the best group of five team in America that could go in there and beat somebody in the New York Six Bowl. Well, shit, yeah, excuse my language. Yeah, they can. But I look at the Sun Belt, they look loaded. The American looks loaded, right? The MAC looks terrible. Uh, but I just don't think there's anybody that's going to do the same thing Tulane did. I don't think there's anybody with a losing record last year that's going to flip it over and be amazing. You know who it might be? is South Florida next year. Okay? Next year, South Florida might be a a team to reckon with. They're just so good and competitive when I thought they were going to be terrible this year. And they're not. Alex Golish coming over as their new head coach, the former Tennessee offensive coordinator. He's flipped that team around without... Like huge turnover on the roster, he just made them good players. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, if they had a a little bit more experienced quarterback, I think they'd win that game against Alabama. Do they just oh, they 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 yeah just you know kind of hamstrung of what they could do? But uh, Byron Brown, Byron Brown's good man. It, no, he, he yeah, it, it's uh, they'll be fun to watch. Coaching changes, stuff like that. We all know what's happening uh, up in Michigan State. Mel Tucker now cool. out. There's a lot of reports that. Lance Leopold at Kansas is one of the leading candidates. Who do you think is interested and who do you think uh, should take that job?
1: You know, I made a video on this and I talked about who should take it and who will take it and who could take it. Uh, they, they throw around names like Elko out of Duke. They throw around names like Leopold out of Kansas. I want Jim Leonard to be a head coach somewhere. Former Wisconsin interim head coach. I like Jim Leonard to be a coach. I also like, um, what's his name, out of, uh, out of Toledo. Camp, I think it's Candle. Jason Candle,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Jason Candle, the Toledo head coach. He's he's just good. He knows what he's doing. He knows the area. He knows the MAC really well, so he knows how to recruit in that region. He gets more out of his teams. He's been winning there for a while. So Jason Crand- Candle, Crandall or Candle, one of the two. Uh, I like him a lot. But yeah, man, it, I think Michigan State's willing to throw some money at that position, so somebody's going to take the job. They can go get someone. Chris Kleiman would be. The guy I would try to go get, yeah. if, if I'm any program and I'm trying to get an upgrade at my coaching position, Chris Kleiman is second to none to me. He just builds champions, right? Kansas State out of nothing, being at North Dakota State, just knowing that whole upper region and just the development that, that he does. I'm so impressed with Chris Kleiman as a head coach.
0: Last question I got, you, talking about the Big Ten, how legit is Penn State shot to win the Big Ten?
1: College, Penn State? Well, well, they play in the damn conference, um they, you know, somebody's moving them up in these charts. I think they moved up to like 6 in the poll. I don't necessarily go there. They looked really well, like really good against Iowa. They beat the hell out of Iowa, 31-0. Iowa can't score on anyone. I get it. But I think if there was ever a year they were going to be competitive for the Big 10 championship, it's this year. It's this year or next, but It just looks like a down year in offensive production from both teams, right, from Michigan and and Ohio State. They don't look like they can pour it on and score a ton of points. So it looks like you can compete with them, whereas in previous years, you're looking at those teams, you're going, oh, they got professionals at every position. It doesn't feel that way right now. So I think Penn State, man, if they don't do it this year, I know their fans are getting impatient, but they also should be realistic, man. You won the Rose Bowl last year. You should be ecstatic. You won the Rose Bowl. That's the whole goal of every Big Ten team.
0: Well, I tell you, the Sooner fans are sure thankful that uh, Michigan did not want to throw the ball to Andrell Anthony because he's having a hell of a year starting off for the Sooners this year. You got to feel good about that transfer. He's doing good. All right, final question, Rico. This this podcast is called Sports Bites. So I always try mm-hmm. to incorporate food. You know, like I, I'm doing stadium reviews. I'm going to a game in a couple of weeks. You know, doing stadium reviews, stuff like that. And I kind of keep it open. What's the best thing in your tra- Plus, you you're, you're military. What's the best <laughs> thing you've ever had to eat? at a game, what you're like, or what's your like go-to when you're at home watching? you know, Best thing you've ever had involved with sports?
1: So going to games has always been pretty lackluster for me. I want to explain this. I go to a lot of stadiums, and I'm just kind of underwhelmed. I, I don't like a lot of the stadium food. I don't tailgate all that much. I'm not a big alcohol drinker, right. so I'm not tailgate. But we've been to different stadiums, and it didn't even feel like a football game. I went to the Cowboys Stadium for a game. It, was, it, was, it felt like a funeral, man. Nobody was cheering. It didn't have the right atmosphere. Because
0: it's $18 beer day at Jerry World. <laughs> and on the flip
1: side, I went to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. And every condiment there or every, um, you know, when you buy your drink, your food, and you get your meal, it's like five bucks. It's the cheapest thing in the world. They did something yeah. where they made it. Really cheap. So I love that. But I don't go to games now. I have to watch 133 FBS teams and know about them. I have my monitor. I have two monitors going. <laughs> I record every game because I watch the games during the week. Sure. Right. So I, I watch every conference every day. I re-watch them over. Uh I with the games recorded, you can get them done in about an hour. But I got two monitors going and then I have my TV cut it into fours. So I watch six games at a time. I'm all in, and if I was to go to a game, I would miss like <laughs> all these games being played. Right. So exactly. I, I can on Saturday. So when I rewatch them throughout the week, I don't have that much. But I want to tell you this. I have a significant other. Shout out to Kim Jones, right? She's amazing. And Kim Jones makes me meal after meal after meal, and I never have to move. And Kim is the most amazing cook. She's from the South, um, from Louisiana. And so she can make gumbo and some crawfish and some other shit, like some, some immaculate meals that I could never make in my life. I'm from Southern California. I don't know anything about this stuff. But she made some ribs this past weekend. And she she lathered them up and slathered them up in a way I have never. They were succulent, bro. And I, and I quote this this thing. I shouldn't say this out loud, but you don't need no teeth to eat my meat. That's what that's what she says right now <laughs> that's out there. But it was real, man. I, I'm so blessed. So I'd say any type of meal that my significant other that she's making for me while I'm watching the games, I am happy because I don't have to get up and go. But every time I go tailgate, I don't know what the hell you guys are eating, but it's always disappointing.
0: <laughs> well, man, Rico, I appreciate it. Tell everybody how they can follow you and, and see your, your content, man, because I really enjoy it. I think people out there uh, you know, need to know more about you. Sure thing.
1: Thanks for having me once again. Sports uh, podcast. I believe you uh, sports bites podcast. But to find me, you guys got to find me. Uh, it's real simple. Rico knows either one word or two words. You just search it. You can Google it. You go to YouTube or TikTok. I am not on Facebook, Instagram. Twitch. I'm not on any other platforms, just Facebook and TikTok. And uh, Rico knows, you'll you'll know when you find me because I'm just talking, just trying to impart knowledge on the world.
0: Like I said, it's good content, guys. Get out there, go check out Rico knows, man. I appreciate it. Have a good weekend. And uh, maybe we'll hook up later and, and talk about the transfer portal when it opens back up in the wintertime. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well guys, I really hope you enjoyed that interview. It was kind of it was fun for me to get Rico on and again follow him on TikTok, YouTube, Rico knows Does a pretty good job with his content. I think you'll really enjoy it out there. But that's going to do it for another episode of Sports Bites, where we dished out the perfect blend of sports and food for your ears. And I hope you savor the flavor of our discussions and found them as satisfying as your team winning on the field. If you're hungry for more, then don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. Stay connected with us on social media for the latest updates, mouth-watering recipes, and sports insights that hit the spot. Until next time, Remember to keep your appetite for sports and food alive, and may your game day snacks always be on point. Good day, everyone, and remember to always positively move forward.